Welcome, Brad fans from all over the world, from our listeners in Perth, Australia, to here in Europe, all over Germany, Munich, Kulba, Marburg, of course, moving to the UK, all the fellows in the Cambridge area, hello, thank you for listening, uh, to Central America, and of course, my home in Canada from the frozen northern God's country of Alberta. <laughs> to the milder climates of British Columbia, of course, Vancouver and Grand Forks, BC. We hear you all. We've heard your questions. We appreciate your listenership. And this is our 50th episode. Brad, welcome. Let's get into it. Let's do this. Wow, what what uh, what an opening! I know we always talk about where our listeners used to be, and I remember in the early days, didn't we, didn't we have somebody from South Korea at one point as well? Which I you don't know, know some of these are traveling just, or something, but yeah, some of these are just hits on the website. Uh, actually, these I believe uh, I am I am aware that people are listening in in these uh, or have listened uh, in these different locations. Um, some friends and stuff scattered around the globe that that are tuning in. Uh, I do check the podcast stats on our various platforms, and every once in a while, yeah, there's a there's an odd uh, listen from yeah South Korea, Israel. I'm not sure who that is, but that's a consistent one. So whoever's out there in Israel listening, well, welcome. get in touch. Thank Say you. hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's. We really should. We should put a map up and start putting pins in where. Where listeners are, but yeah, we're we're here as Flash said, fiftieth episode. Who, who would have thought we'd have got fifty episodes? Uh, Dining back to not those me. early days. No, to be fair, not me. Uh, you know, I thought we'd probably run out of material because when we first started, we're probably more politically focused. It was around the round about the time of Trump uh, mm -hmm. running his campaign, and you and I thinking, well, that's never going to happen. And um, <laughs> here we are. Uh, yeah. On the verge of him rerunning potentially for a second term. Um, oh, yeah. So fortunately, we decided to leave politics and move into areas where we know well, a little bit more. We did, and you know, I think that was a good move for us. You know, to to find our footing in the in the areas that we are, you know, sort of more accustomed to. We always like to say on this podcast that we're like we're idiots. We don't understand the stuff we're talking about. But in fairness, we do have scientific backgrounds both you and i so we can garner some understanding of the stuff that we're bringing to you and we try and you know do our due diligence on the on the stories we bring to you and you know give a when needed a, a maybe a, a slightly critical view of the studies and the sample sizes and things like this but generally you know we we both enjoy talking about this stuff this is the kind of stuff that we would be talking about over beers if we weren't doing the podcast so we just exactly. decided and to, you know. Exactly. If we were doing, you know, over beers, if we were in the same country, we weren't in lockdown, you know, hunkered down in a bunker with tin goods fearing for our lives, you know. Yeah. So, you know although you, you're out a lot. You, I've seen pictures of you and your lovely wife in beer gardens. We don't have that luxury here. Yeah. So this would be maybe a topic for an episode, an upcoming episode is uh, just the how we're emerging from the lockdown and what it all <clears throat> what it all looks like um because it has been interesting to see how germany is is um approaching it 
you know, uh, how are they approaching things like contact tracing, which is obviously, um, you know, in our opinion, in the experts' opinion, the only way that you can safely sort of restart um, some semblance of, of normality, some semblance of society, uh, because you need to be able to see who's got it. So they've put some interesting little quirks measures into how you can go to the beer garden, you know, signing up, basically signing your name and your address and your phone number uh, with the time that you were there. It's like a sign in sheet basically everywhere you go um, so that they know who was in these places. And if anyone in those places uh, later turns out to be positive, they can go back and say, okay, we have the address and the name and the phone numbers of everyone that was there in that time frame. Right. We got to fan out, call those people, tell them to to isolate and stuff. So it's not without risk. It's weird. It's weird. I mean, we were, of course, happy to be out in the nice weather and, you know, enjoying a beer and stuff. There's distancing measures in place everywhere you go. It's not like you can just sit wherever you want and full capacity and stuff like this. Um, everyone's wearing masks when they're in crowded places. Staff at all the places are wearing masks and stuff. Uh, and it felt weird. It felt really weird. Um, it felt like, you know, I was crit critical of myself saying, like, am I being complacent? Is this the right thing? So there was some conflict there. But uh, the allure of the beer garden was just too much. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we've gotten too much into that. That's something, like okay. I said, we can do for another episode as you, you know, as the UK goes up and as Canada and other places, we can maybe start to compare some of the methods and, and stuff and see how it's all it's all going. But today we're here to answer questions. We said we were going to do it. We said, send us your questions, your poor and huddled masses in question format. Bring them to us, bring them to the podcast. And we got, uh, we got some questions, uh, a mix yeah. of personal. Somebody was listening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mix of personal questions, sort of background uh, about us, about the podcast, how it works, that kind of stuff. And then some scientific ones, um, which, Believe it or not, in this day and age, we're virus themed and we've kind of become, you know, that's kind of our thing. Well, we were doing viruses before it was exactly. cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now everyone's jumping on that bandwagon. That's right. That's right. So where should we start here, Brad? Where Where do you want to where do you want to go? Um, well, let's start. So I had this from numerous formats. I know we've touched on both of these throughout the 50 episodes, but to save people having to go back and listen to all the early episodes if they don't want to. So first, I guess, it's not that personal question, especially you, Flash, because obviously as well as, you know, the Too Bad For You, you've got the In Conversation With and, you know, you've, you've done other podcasts before. So the first question is, why did you get into podcasting? Hmm. Mm hmm. Hmm. Good question. Um, I love to hear myself talk. I love to talk. <laughs> Uh, that's first and foremost, I think that's got to be acknowledged. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that, you know, that I haven't met a microphone I didn't or a stage that I didn't enjoy. Um, but in all honesty, it was finding out, finding podcasts. Like I found that this was a thing. I had a friend that showed me, uh, you know, um, one of the now most popular podcasts, the Joe Rogan show, which people, you love him or hate him or whatever it's it's a it's a massive show and i saw that i heard that for the first time uh and heard you know just a, a guy who was um 
a TV presenter for National Geographic doing shows on like futurism and futuristic stuff. And that, and he was talking with these comedians and they were having these hilarious, great conversations about space and the future and dimensions and all this stuff that I was like, okay, this is great. I mean, this is all stuff that I enjoy. And just to hear the free format of people just talking about it, you know, um, was it blew my mind. I was like, oh, this is, I enjoy listening to this. So if I enjoy listening to this and I know that my friends, for example, you know, this is the stuff that we talk about. Why not? Why not start it? Why, you know, it seemed like the, the, the barrier to entry was low. So I got into it with my good friends back in Calgary, Steve Varg, and who's been on this show. Um, and is a great podcast contributor. We've we've worked on a few things now together. And uh, Matt Walkie, who produced the first iterations of any podcast that I did, and to this day his his servers host to Brad for you. So he's the guy behind Meter Room uh, CA and bass player for the Freak Motif, who provided music for the show. Um, but that was basically it. Is I just saw that this was a medium that I could do that I really, really enjoyed. And I feel like, I felt like for a long time, there was a, a lack of, um, I still feel this way. There's a lack of, um, this kind of like, seri like, you know, you get the Joe Rogan shows and stuff like this, where you have non-experts talking about this stuff. So I thought that maybe there was a way where you could, you know, we have some credibility, some expertise, um, but we could also present it in a way that's fun and not, you know, it's different than, you know, a lot of science podcasts, to be honest, a lot of like official science podcasts for like NPR or BBC or something. I don't listen to them. I don't, you know, it's not, it's not the format I enjoy. Um, it's very strict and regimented and it sounds like a radio show or like a documentary, which is, there's a place for that. And some of them are great. But uh, I just, I really like the, the free form. Let's just talk about it, you know, and by yeah. people listening, they can learn, you know, they learn along with you, that kind of thing. So that's the long winded answer of why I got into it. Uh, and it just reinforces that I love to talk. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So do you think, and this isn't one of the questions, but as you were saying that, so makes it, do you think since you've started podcasting, obviously, you, you know, before Too Bad For You, there was where's my glasses and stuff um your, your first podcast do you think podcasting in general has moved on or, or changed in the in what it does or or do you think it's been much of a muchness what's your take on that i mean it's huge i think it's exploded i think you know if you look at the numbers there's stats out there you can look at the numbers of how many podcasts there are um it's exploded. It's, I think it's one, it's a, it's one of the bigger new, biggest new mediums. I think I, I maybe I don't have the exact date, data to say that, but I do workshops now for, um, science for academics, uh, talking about podcasting specifically as a way to communicate their, their research. And, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's growing. Um, I think what it's shown is that, the sort of rigidity of old mediums is, you know, you don't have those constraints. Um, you know, if you look at the radio thing, and this was something that when I was doing um, workshops for myself, not not giving the workshops, but going to workshops uh, specifically about science communication for science journalists or scientists, there was still this 
among the participants this real view that no, 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 this is what it has to be. It has to be like I was just saying with these shows that I don't like to listen to. It's got to be 10 minutes. You have an expert, you interview them, cut to some music, come back, you know, and it was like, no, you don't, you don't have to, you can do anything. And I think that's what the podcasting has shown. You know, you have hardcore history, another, you know, one of the top shows in the world, which is a guy talking for three hours about all by himself, about history topic, telling a story, basically. Um, you now have nonfiction or uh, fiction podcasts, so like radio, like like old school radio plays, but like with better production. Um, and I think the other thing that podcasting brings, which is really kind of unique um, as a as a medium, is that you're really the connection you get with your listeners, the connection you get with because it's you know you never really hear someone be like unless you're like on a road trip or something and you don't want to talk to your friends or your wife, or she doesn't want to talk to you or whatever. Um, it's like, well, let's put a, let's put a podcast on, but hardly ever are you like, you know, in a group where you're like, let's put a podcast on and all sit and listen to this thing. You know, you, with the radio, you might, you know, have the radio on and the radio is kind of designed to speak to the people in the car on their commute or something yeah. like that. The TV is designed to speak to your living room, to a group of people, you know, that kind of thing. But podcasting, you're going directly into someone's ears usually via headphones or in their car when they're by themselves where they're commuting that kind of thing so i think that is really really interesting uh the no bounds you know that's that's my personal take on podcasting and why i think it's great and i think people are starting to embrace it um and i i would hope that more people more people do there's also a low barrier to entry you know like you get a microphone right, yeah. you know, get, a, get get a smartphone you know and start and if you you know the the availability of it on the internet also allows for really niche topics you know you can get i don't know how many dungeons and dragons podcasts there are and i mean maybe that's not a niche topic maybe it's it seems niche to me but you know what i mean like there's like your your audience is global it's not restricted to how far you can send yeah, your radio exactly. signal so even if you're into like the most obscure thing you know igneous rocks and only igneous rocks aren't we from, all yeah, exactly. You know, metamorphic, get the fuck out of here. Sedimentary, you know, get out. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. You know, but you can find, <laughs> you know, you could find the 10,000 other people that are into that in the world. And then you have an audience of 10,000, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I think what what made me think of that add-on question to you is I saw the, the news this week, that, and you mentioned Joe Rogan being one of your, you know, early inspirations, I guess, that he signed an exclusive deal with Spotify. For yeah. his podcast now so that would be so it's interesting to see podcasting potentially going the way of like box sets and think you know with netflix yeah. or, you know and starting to tie up deals and I, I wonder will that have a positive impact or not i guess as you said if it's a niche topic doesn't matter what platform that's on if, if igneous rocks is your thing you're going to subscribe to that or you're going to you're going to get on board of it but uh, you just wonder if you won't get that momentum because at the moment, as you said, you know, podcasts, uh, it's like free yeah. media for everyone, really, isn't it? Yeah, everyone can have a voice, and and that's good and bad. I mean, speaking of again, Joe Rogan, like he gets criticized a lot for you know having you know ha not you know saying things. He's got this massive audience, and he's saying things that maybe aren't true. Well, he's saying things that definitely aren't true a lot of times, and you know, it's conflicting. There's there's conflict there, and I don't know. I'm not gonna sit and defend him or you know, support, whatever. I enjoy listening to the show on, on occasion. Um, but 
yeah whether it's whether it becomes like gate like a whether there's a gatekeeper there i don't think that's a great thing obviously there needs to be some you know you got people out there just saying whatever they want it's it's beautiful and harmful in different ways and stuff seeing how it gets commercialized is going to be interesting um a lot of times you know it's donations you know people are doing yeah. you know, that was the big thing too is how do you monetize this you know yeah i mean we've not monetized ours but uh, hey maybe the maybe the donation button's coming i don't know um but uh yeah so that'll be interesting and i saw that with, that 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 rogan is moving to spotify so we'll see how that you know changes changes things but um i think it'll be around you know small podcasts will be around for a while you'll still get these big ones that that gobble up the it's like youtube or something like this you know it's like people are like oh yeah you can make money on youtube it's like well it's like one percent of people make money on youtube the 99 the rest of the 99 percent are just doing it because they love it and they're you know not making big bucks so but i don't know we'll see like uh we also see um you know uh, i would i would hope to see that the traditional media companies like BBC, you know, BBC puts all their radio documentaries out on podcasts and stuff. I don't know if they do exclusive podcast content or if it's like always sort of dual. I don't know how that works, but it'd be interesting. I would hope that more places embrace the medium and say, okay, like we have our print stuff because there's always going to be a place for print, um, whether it's digital or, or newspaper, or whatever, you know, but let's also slice off a chunk and produce unique interesting podcast material you know because like i said you you can do the classic radio documentary and you can do it over you can make it serialized episodic you know so you have space like it doesn't have to be oh we have 30 minute window for the show where it's like and then next week you get the net you know you can do these things um so it's it gives more freedom so uh, i've definitely you know you see magazines uh, are now making podcasts along with their their articles and stuff so i would hope that more people do that and then it becomes just another way to can you know to tell stories and yeah. you know pass information on so i love yeah, it well and for me we're not going anywhere for me no well I'm, we're definitely not going anywhere we can't afford to go anywhere because we haven't monetized this yet but once we do then <laughs> you know, we are gone um on a beach somewhere yeah well for me and how i got you know obviously i I got into it basically because of you. Um, I was, I've always toyed with the idea of wanting to be a radio DJ. That, that sort of floated in the back of my head for, for many years, although nothing ever came of it. I mean, I, you know, and I didn't attempt to do anything with it. Um, and then when, when you started, uh, where's my glasses? And I was listening to that. So like, oh, do you know what this is? And I, I don't listen to many podcasts at all outside of this. You know, I, I, I go through a flurry. You'll recommend something or other friends recommend something and I'll have a quick listen. But I, I, I struggle to always listen to them. But I really enjoy Where's My Glasses, mainly because it, it exactly appealed to me. It was a group of mates sat around having a drink, discussing the topics, and on for the, you know, like being in a pub. And on for the nights that I couldn't get to a pub, then I could sit and listen to you guys and, and chat and, oh, my God, are you guys crazy or nobody on board with it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess for me, it was then happens that's when you, you know, then when you relocated from Canada to here and it's like, oh, well, time zone means I need a new buddy. I'm like, I could be the guy. Um, yeah, yeah. So that for me was the driver. I, 
I find I really enjoy it. I think why I really enjoy it is a I get to chat to you, so that's obviously a bonus most of the time. Um, but the other part of it is um, <laughs> I took a while to sink in. I thought, oh my god, please laugh at some point. Um, but the other part is, as, as you said, but was you know. I always call myself a pseudoscientist. You know, I have an undergrad degree in science, but I don't have any higher uh, PhDs or masters or anything. But I, I'm a bit of a nerd. I do enjoy science. I particularly enjoy physics, and I don't understand physics at all. Um, but I find it really cool. So I, I really enjoy when we, you know, going away researching, seeing what's in the news. When you see something on the news or in a publication, oh, well, that would be good to look into or. And then, mm-hmm. and that's usually how I find stuff. If it's if it makes me think, well, how did they do that, or why are they doing that? Then I'll often go and look at it, and then that's often why I come into us with a, a story. So it always, and I think we said it here. Every day is a school day, and to me, this this helps me go off and learn a bit more, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's the nice thing about it too is that it gives you an excuse to do that. Like I always was saying this to to people, you know when I was doing where's my glasses and and stuff like that, that, like it's just an excuse to put the cell phone away and just chat, you know, when do you, and just dedicated time. And then it gives you an excuse to, like you said, like, okay, I saw that headline. Whereas before, maybe you would just be like, okay, I saw the headline, read the article, whatever. had some questions, but never really put the time into going a bit deeper. And it's like, well, now I have an excuse to, to motivate myself to go deeper because I want to, you know, I want to bring, that stuff to the to the podcast and uh, and then so then you end up doing the work for the people that maybe saw the headline or maybe have never done know nothing about the topic and you can give them that little bit but it's really i mean selfishly it is for us right like like you said it's an excuse for us to have a monthly you know get together or weekly or how we you know whenever we can and uh and to yeah to to do a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra digging on some topics and we get to enjoy it other people get to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Everything's good. Um, okay, so then the second question of a more personal nature, and then we'll, we'll move into some science questions. So uh, how did the Brads meet? Mm. You want to take that one? Do you remember? Oh, it was a hazy night. Some sort, of, some sort of dating app, wasn't it? I, um, <laughs> so Sandy... It might have been um, before dating so, apps, even. Actually, that's a good point. Actually, it might have been. That's a good point. Uh, so it's San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 20, so yeah, so 2013. Yeah, it must have been around about then. So um, as we've alluded to on the show, um, Flash obviously has a PhD in uh, parasitology, um, and I have a keen interest in parasitology. So we were both at a, a conference that. I know several of our listeners uh, are from, and we've even done a live version. Um, so the AAVP conference, the American Association of uh, Veterinary Parasitology. Veterinary. Oh, my mind went there you go. Um, so, yeah, it was in uh, Sandy. It alternates around the U.S. each year. Um, the previous year, I'd uh, met a mutual friend of ours, someone who was working uh, in the lab with Flash, uh, Melissa, um, so we'd sort of stayed in touch, Melissa and I, over the year, and then we're like, okay, we'll see you in San Diego. And she said, oh, I'm, you know, there's a lab friend coming. I think you guys will get on really well. And uh, his name's Brad. And that instantly put my back up because I've only <laughs> ever really met one Brad one. before. 
yeah, there can only be one Brad, and I've only ever really met one Brad before, and he was a dick. Um, mm. And I was like, well, A, I hope it's not that guy, uh, and B, you know, as I said, there, there can only be one Brad. Um, yeah, and I think we just clicked, really. And then, yeah. so that must have been sort of the, the summertime. Um, yeah, I guess. The conference, something. and then, yeah, and then I think it was that February that I came out to the frozen north. Mm. Um, primarily to visit Melissa, um, but then you took me astray and went rogue, and um, yeah, we hit several bars in Calgary and went to a hockey game. And we did, yeah, go Calgary Flames. Um, yeah, so that's that. Yeah, well, that's how we met. I think that that covers that one, doesn't it? Yeah, and then I, th- I guess from there, like, yeah, stayed in touch with the uh, with the group from that. Like, there's a solid group of people. Shout out to the group. Um, yeah, that all went to AAVP, and we all stayed in touch. So we got the group text, you know, and so we stayed in touch that way. And then when I moved here, it was just like, well, now we're close, so we can start yeah. this up. I knew you were keen. You were always a big supporter of Where's My Glasses, the first podcast. So uh, uh, when it came to now that I'm here and need a new podcast project and a new partner, it was a it was a no brainer. So, and yeah. well, you know, I, I'd orchestrated your career and Teresa's career, so she would move to Germany. You'd have to follow. So, ultimately, it's part of my evil master plan to, you know, ease into a podcast with you. So, uh, if only I could put those powers to use, and you know, maybe buy a lo- winning lottery ticket or you know, craft my career in a way that makes me successful, that would be good. But yeah, well, no complaints here. It worked out. <laughs> and uh yeah the 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 craft beer of san diego really we bonded over that let's say and sweet dance yeah. moves and some basement club oh yeah there's hazy memories coming back now which is um <laughs> mm, somewhat scary. i did enjoy san diego i i never I, actually i was telling somebody the other day the one thing that threw me about san diego and this doesn't really i can tell it anyway it doesn't really throw into us we were at a conference on the last day before we flew back. Everyone was like, oh, let's go to the beach. Now, my head was blown because I hadn't in my head associated San Diego being on the coast because I'm an idiot like that. Um, mm-hmm. So we head to the beach. But then I'm an even bigger idiot because in my head, well, we're going to the beach. But it's, you know, we're here for a conference. It's work. So I don't need to wear sun cream or suntan lotion. And we sat on the beach for a couple of hours. And then I'm heading to the airport. And I'm like, oh, I feel a little bit, you know, I caught the sun. And then I get to the airport and check in. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I'm definitely feeling the burn now. And then I got on the plane for my <laughs> ten and a half hour flight home in agony of the sunburn that I have. And I listen to like, <laughs> I don't know if you can imagine, but you know, imagine being lobster red and burnt to a crisp, and then having to do a ten and a half hour flight where you've got no access to moisturizers or creams or painkillers or a cold bath or a cold shower, and obviously sticking to the sit. Oh, it was. One of the most horrendous flights ever. I feel Obviously like this is how I was leaving most... you behind, Flash. But... Yeah, of course. I was going to say, I feel like this is how most British people return from warm climate. <laughs> burnt. Yeah, we're just not used to that. Hung just over, not used burnt. To big <laughs> yeah. burning mass of gas in the sky. Yeah. All right, well, so that answers that mystery. Um, here's one that's just, again, a little bit, you know, sort of behind the scenes kind of question um what's the biggest hurdle you've had to overcome thus far when putting together a podcast uh and then a sort of follow-up what's the creative process like when developing the idea have have we hammered out 
<clears throat> a template or process. Um, yeah, and then finally, wish. yeah, exactly. Right. And then just again, from the same person, I believe this is my brother. Um, shout out Daryl. What up? Uh, what's a highlight low light for you over the past 50 episodes? So, I mean, I'll start with the biggest hurdle. I mean, I think the only real big hurdle was, you know, some technical, some technical issues with getting it posted to the different, you know, sites and stuff. And obviously there's easier ways to do it now that I've found out. But in the, in the early days, it was manually writing up, you know, HTML, RSS feeds and trying to get them sorted and stuff like that. That's been a hurdle. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's pretty easy. Put put a microphone in front of your face, hit record and go. Um, yeah, teaching myself a little bit of um, edit audio editing stuff. Uh, and then maybe, you know, trying to fit our busy schedules together. Right. Yeah, I was going to say schedules probably, and we've joked before, you know, I'm the talent, I just rock up and record and you're the guy that does all the post-production stuff and, you know, make, you do the magic really, you get it out there for people to listen to and um, so, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for that because I just don't have the wherewithal of that. But yeah, I was, for me, I think the, the, the biggest hurdle is the um, just scheduling, just coming together yeah. and obviously, you know, wrong or reasonably similar time zone now but obviously we're both both busy but um yeah that yeah that the technology well, i was also going to mention the odd occasions when we've had people ringing on the door or stuff like that but um <laughs> just shows that we are doing it totally live um but yeah, yeah. the technology and as you, the technology has got easier you know from the way that we well we still do it occasionally but now we've moved to this this new system squadcast whatever, which works really well you know it's mm -hmm. As you said, the technology has really moved on to make life a lot easier. Yeah. So the other thing, I guess, and this kind of goes to question two, is of like, what do we? How do we come up with the idea? And is there a process and stuff? I think that maybe that was a hurdle that we didn't, we haven't even really realized because, you know, we just kind of started doing it, and that's how I did it with the uh, with the boys. With where's my glasses? Is just like, you know what? Let's learn by doing. Let's just try. And you realize yeah. that you get better at it. So there's probably some hurdles uh, in terms of, you know, just speaking on a microphone, making sure that you're trying to get your points across clearly. I don't know. I don't know if these are like conscious things that we do. But if I go back and listen to early stuff that we did to now, I feel like we've gotten better. There's a difference. There's yeah. a slickness of, of maybe, you know, it's not totally pro, obviously but we kind of get better at it. And I think that that just, <laughs> I think it's more of a comfort thing, but so I think there's probably some um, challenges and, and things that we've overcome without even really realizing it. You just kind of, as you get more at bats, as they say, you, uh, you kind of get better at it. And then I think, you know, going to the process, we've also kind of, we've sort of fallen into a bit of a groove, you know, you and I, in terms of yeah. how we do this, um, each guy comes to the table with his story ideas um and we discuss those before we turn the mics on um and sort of maybe try and find a, a common thread that we can talk about throughout them or you know maybe there is no common thread and we just you know think about what's the best Look way from place to place yeah 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 to go from go from thing to thing and i think our you know this the idea for me was always that it you 
we're going to learn from each other. And then the audience learns through us, right? That was the idea. It's like, we're not experts in all these topics that we're talking about, but we can go in and, and do some of that, like I was saying in the beginning, some of that extra reading, you know, to give the, to give the, the listener the perspective. And then by having each person show up with their, with their topics that they're, you know, going to be more or less the quote unquote expert for the episode on, then they can field questions from the other guy. And, you know, we just have a, a talk about it. So it feels like that's what the format, you know, has become. The idea for me was always to have this, you know, very uh, low barrier to entry for the audience in terms of how we're speaking about things. We always try and like, we're not trying to sound smart. I think that's, obvious <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah yeah but you know what i mean like making it very conversational so that was kind of the original idea and then it was just a matter of figuring you know finding our legs kind of thing yeah and i think i think the structures sort of come about naturally really so you know i remember as we talked about earlier in the, the episode early on, I think, you know, you and I sat down and said, oh, yeah, okay, let's do, you know, do a podcast. And, you know, I remember you saying that, you know, you want it to be early entry and maybe a platform for, you know, potentially what you might want to do in the future, you know, career-wise. Um, but I think early on, we we didn't have that much structure. So, you know, I think at the time, we just sort of picked on what was ever in the news or current affairs and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had great fun talking about it and actually learned a lot of stuff. But I think as we went on, we, as you said, we got into a groove of actually this is what we tend to know a little bit about and what we enjoy talking about. And I think we've naturally just channeled our way into that. And I, I, I think it flows now. And the one thing I particularly like about the process is uh, that we don't spend a lot of time in pre-production. I, I like the fact that we research separately and we come there. And it's, it, I think there's only like one, one, a handful of times, I was going to say one or two, but maybe a handful of times where we've actually turned up we collect our stories individually and we bring them in. I think there's only a handful of times we've turned up and had the same story. We always seem to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, pick something, pick something different, even, you know, with the, the topical stuff we do pick. And I, and I really enjoy that because I, I never know what you're going to come with. Sometimes it can be hard work because it's a topic that maybe I don't fully understand. And then I'm shit. I need to try and think of some questions to ask you about, about this. Mm-hmm. But actually I find that I, tend to pay attention more and I learn more because of that. And you, and you probably pick a lot of topics that I would never go down the route of picking. So yeah, <clears throat> I think it's a bit of a yin and yang from that point of view. I think that's why, to me, that's why this works well. But, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the 10 listeners we have obviously think that as well. Otherwise it wouldn't be the 10 <laughs> listeners we have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems to work. And then, um, that, you know, there was a side note, like I said, that question was from my brother and, and, and he mentioned some of the, you know, that we've branched, like the show's kind of branched out and started some other formats, I guess, not really, but there's, you know, these are the, the OG, the original where it's you and me, and I've brought some other characters on now to sort of fill out the time where you and I can't, can't be there. Um, and that got a compliment saying, you know, it's really not, you know, this this idea of you explaining something to to sort of more more laymen um, that are engaged, interesting stuff like that that got a, you know was apparently something that people enjoyed, and it was interesting to me because I always found I always like viewed us as that you know that we're you know with each individual story that we bring to the table, you're the layman and I'm the guy explaining it to you, and then vice versa, and we switch those roles, but I guess we. 
maybe some members of our audience consider us to be a little more uh, scientifically literate than we than we uh, than we actually are. Let on. I know, well, and I mean, I just, you know, you want to. I always try and say that because it's like I don't want. That's the that's the thing. The, the the fatal flaw I think of science communication is when people are trying to sound smart and trying to be like, hey, totally look agree. at this. Do you know yeah. this is? You know, let me explain this to you. I think it's way more fun and it's way more honest to be real, you know, because like I said, like, yeah, I have a PhD that gives me a certain set of skills in terms of the topic that I, I like covered. Liam yeah, exactly. I will, uh, I will hunt you down. I will find you. I will tell you about my PhD. Yeah. And those, you know, I will hunt down those worms in that poop, in those livers. <laughs> um, you know, it gives you a very narrow, like, set of skills in terms of that topic that you have. But you also, when you're going through that, you do, you know, very broad reading on a, on a large topic. It means you've been in, you know, you kind of know the machinations also of research and how it works and how publication works. Yeah. So when you read someone else's work, you can kind of be like, okay, well, that would be something that I should, did they think of this or did they think of that? So there, there is some scientific credibility that we bring to it, but it's like, you never want that to be the forefront. It's always like, I'm a dumb dumb. Don't feel bad because you know, who knows everything and how can you know everything? And I would never, and actually most scientists, when you talk to them, like, and if you hang out with scientists and stuff, they're the first ones to say to hedge, always hedge, 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 like, well, it could be this or it could be that. Well, we have a pretty good idea. It's this, but then, then they, when they come to, to speak to the public that I feel like that, 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 that always becomes like a, Ooh, well, we can't, we have to sound like we know what we're talking about and that this is the way it is. Right. And, yeah, stuff. Yeah. and then you get the problems where, when that turns out not to be true, it's like, oh, well, they've been saying for 10 years that it's this way and now it's this way. So we can't trust you. They don't even know what the hell they're talking about. It's so, you know, but so adding that nuance to it, I think is, is, you know, what kind of the idea always was. So I'm glad that having, you know, like a sort of these other characters that we've been able to bring in who are great, you know, Jared, Robbie, Steve, other people, you know, they're, they're adding value to the show because they're bringing a fresh perspective and it's really it's just an elaboration of the of the format that we've been trying to do uh, this whole time, and it's just now with different voices, with different perspectives from totally different fields. We have our, you know, fields that we're sort of experts in that are science um, and science related. So let's bring in some characters from from outside. So that's it. Uh, as for ups ups and downs, what was what did I say? Uh, higher highlight, low light. Highlight obviously is just doing this. It's fun, and yeah, that definitely. I've gotten to do some interviews with people, um, you know, and some of the former academic friends. And now people have reached out to me. PR companies and people that have science projects have reached out. So to see the show grow in that way, and that there's people that are actually asking to be on, is was amazing. That's um, yeah, yeah, really incredible. I can't say much of a low light. I mean. You know, this other than the no, struggles of trying me, to get I think, technical stuff. Exactly. Well, I was going to say the the lows for me is I, I want to do more of these. Life just gets in the way and doesn't yeah. doesn't allow me. And I think that's the the low light that I you know I really want to do more, um, but just can't. But yeah, I think I think the highlight for me. I think you you touched on one there. I know, especially with the in conversation series, you've got, you know had people approach you and stuff and. And I actually, the in conversation piece, I, I really enjoy as well. I think, you know, for me, it's a when we, you and I can't record, for me, it's a good way to, you know, obviously, I love to hear your voice flash. So, um, 
That's really good. But you've had some great guests from you know a, a range of situations, not not just you know the boxes that we're we're from. And I I, I really enjoy that. And I I think you're right. I think with with science communication in in general, there it is very easy for a the general public to be scared of scientists because oh we don't understand it. We're not scientists. And I think sometimes human nature is if you're the scientist, you want to play up to that because you want to be seen to be you know, good at what you do and the, and mm-hmm, the expert, mm-hmm. but ultimately, and I, I remember one of my lecturers at university saying, saying this, if you can't, you can be the best scientist in the world, but if you can't communicate the work that you're doing effectively to everyone, then that work isn't going to go on anywhere because a handful of people are going to read that publication that already work in your field. So is that really advancing science? Probably not. You know, mm-hmm. if you can communicate to the lay person on the street and get that message across and get them excited about it, so that they want to then go and learn some more by themselves, and that—that's brilliant. That for me is a definite high point of, you know, when I speak to people that are listeners of, hey, I never thought of that before. You know, when you talked about this, oh, I never thought of it that way before, or oh, after you thought talked about that, it made me go away and look at that. For me, is, you know, mm-hmm. definite high point. That's what I yeah. love to see happen. I would tag onto that too. That yeah, just hearing when people do reach out and say that they're listening, or you know, that 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 they they listened to an episode and they really liked it. So, you know, there's been a couple people specifically, uh, you know, shout out to slasher in, in, in your neck of the woods there, yeah, who, so. you know, when you, I met him for the first time, you know, and to hear some of his comments about, you know, I heard this episode and this made me think of it. that was, it's, a, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And so, like I said, to the 10, to the 10 people that are out there and are, are reaching out in one way or another, we hear, I've heard that you enjoy the show and it really, you know, it means a lot. Yeah, and we, we mute the ones that say they don't enjoy it because obviously, you know, we're all about massaging our egos. So, of course. Of course. Obviously. Well, you mentioned Slasher and um, he threw a couple of questions in. So, you know, I'm well aware that we've done a fair bit about the personal questions and we can always mm-hmm. come back to that. But I'm going to throw a sciencey question in that um, he kind of posed to me. And I thought, you know, I've not given you any heads up on this. Flash. So I, I, I did some, he posed a question, I did a quick bit of research, and I thought I'd just throw it at you, we can have a bit of a discussion, if it goes somewhere, it goes somewhere, if it doesn't, then you need to salvage it and give us another topic, so uh, good luck. Um, so obviously there's a lot of viral th- things going on at the moment, uh, you know, you and I, you know, really own the virus space, not literally, we didn't create, you know, we didn't create the coronavirus, just clarify that in case any of Trump's lawyers are listening. Um, but the question posed to me are, are we the virus? We being right. humans. So are yeah. we the virus? Have humans expanded the R? We keep, you know, we keep hearing a lot about this R value. Have we expanded the R for ourselves? So are we, you know, burning up our resources, burning up the environment to negatively impact that? So as a recap, the R measures the average of the number of people that an infected individual will be expected to infect. So if we take the current situation with coronavirus um, unchecked, then they think the R is around about four to six. So for every one person infected, they'll infect another four to six people. Um, So that was before the lockdown. And now in the UK, the lockdown, that R number has come down to, and I've not seen the figures for today, actually, it's come down to about 0.7 to one. So it's come down drastically since the lockdown. Any number greater than one would basically show that virus spreading in the, in the population. So keeping it below one is key. 
Um, I'll throw it over to you at this point. I've got one more note, but I'll throw it over to you just to get uh, your sense on are we the virus? And mm -hmm. then, yeah, let's go from there. I mean, it's uh, virus, parasite, choose your word. You know, you can look at it. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is something that in my biology undergrad classes and stuff, it, it always got brought up as the as the thought provoking thing that we should, you know, talk about or discuss or, or something like that. And I mean, it's like you can make a case. I think you can make a case either way. Um, you know, viruses, this is a question that came up with uh, my lovely wife, Teresa, what's the difference between a virus and, and a parasite, you know, or a, or a bacteria or a microbe or something. And parasite is just the large term for any organism, whether it's a bacteria, a ant, a, you know, an insect, ants, bad example, but an insect, a plant, a fungus, anything that lives off of another thing and causes that thing right. harm. So it's, it requires that it lives in or on another being and it's yeah. doing harm in some way by its presence. That's just, that's a parasite in general. So you can have, like I said, parasitic plants, parasitic fungi, parasitic bacteria, parasitic worms, you know, but they don't, those animals don't necessarily have to be parasites. There's other ones that aren't parasites. Um, viruses are specifically parasites because they're not even really technically alive. Viruses are just packages of DNA that whose only function is to, when they find the right cell, open up that cell and then start using the cell's DNA replication machinery to replicate themselves. So they don't right. have all of the things that you would need to be alive. They can't, they don't eat food. They don't, um, have any mechanism of breathing or like consuming oxygen and turning it into or whatever gas, you know, and turning it into food and all these things that we think. So are humans a virus? No, because we're fundamentally different things. Now, if you want to get like sort of, you know, 10,000 mile view, we are packages of DNA that are just out trying to replicate our, our, our DNA. You know, um, well, but that's that's all forms of life. So I think the question is more: Are we parasites? And again, in some, if you want to define the Earth as an organism that we, you know, that is our host, which okay, it's a little, you know, obviously the geologists and the biologists and stuff will have a a, a view that the Earth itself is not an organism, but you could make a you could make the case. Like I see the point. Um, that humans are kind of like a virus or kind of like a parasite of, of earth. And have we expanded our, our number? Um, yeah, of course, you know, since humans kind of got on the scene and then created tools and agriculture and all these things, there is a case to be made that we have grown unsustainably like too fast, too quick, and that we are consuming too much of the planet's resources in order to keep, you know, like it's going to be out of balance. We will, um, like a virus, you know, it, it replicates itself so many times in the host cell that it kills that cell. So it has no regard for the, for the, the boundaries right. of living in that cell and keeping that cell alive so that it also stays alive, which again is a difference between something like a worm or, 
you know, another type of parasite that lives on an organism that's, it's, it's not great. It's hurting the, or it's taking some resources from it, but ultimately it won't kill that host because if it does shit out of luck, you know, then, then they both die. Right. So I think humans can be classified probably more like a parasite in this definition, in this view of earth, but we are behaving like a virus in that we are we potentially could destroy our our host environment our earth cell and reproduce so much on there and consume all the stuff on here that we then die that the earth dies that we die everything dies with it so yeah there's so you you can't you can't see my notes can you no because you, barely you've read. basically just nailed <laughs> i have drawn some pictures so you, you've basically nailed where i was going to go with the example so um yeah, a, a good virus, or and I think your analogy of a parasite is a good one as well. A good virus, or a good back, a good virus, or a good parasite will sicken its host potentially, but it won't kill it because ultimately it wants to spread. You know, that's yeah. that's what it's trying to and do. It needs that Whereas a, a bad, it. yeah, exactly. So a bad form of that virus or that parasite kills its host. Ultimately, is killing itself. Um, yeah. So it's a short-sighted approach. And then the the analogy that you know, when I started thinking about this was, yeah, the earth being the host, the humans being the virus. And ultimately when you look at it, we've got to be classified as a bad virus. You know, if we, if we carry on doing what we're doing, we will destroy our host. Thus we will destroy ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then also when you think about it, then from, you know, a, a biological point of view with the geological, you know, whatever, whatever host gets infected with a parasite or a virus, the host fights back. The host creates antibodies. So mm-hmm. if we take the analogy of the earth, then that effectively is plagues, bacteria, cancers, natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Is basically the earth trying to fight back against. Well, and I think the other this is a this is a great like it's a great way to have this conversation is to frame it human virus versus you know earth host kind of thing. But I mean, there's really a a more realistic way that science deals with this biology ecology, actually the subdiscipline of biology ecology deals with this. And I mean, you look at population growth models. So rather than a virus growth, like a virus spread, this R number, you get like K values. I believe it's K where it's like a reproductive strategy, right? So how many offspring do you have and what's the amount of resources that you need? And basically, like every, you know, biology has looked at all the environments on the planet. Uh, you can subdivide them. You could look at the whole planet. You could look at just the savanna. You could look at the rainforest, blah, 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 all these different things. And different species have different ways of remaining at a balance within their ecosystem, right? So if the lions yeah. eat too many zebra, then there's no food for them and they the the lion population has to decline because they can't feed them all and the zebra have a chance to to grow again and then you can you get this you know this cyclical nature so really that's that's a better way to look at it and then the amount of offspring that that a species can have and still maintain a balance within its ecosystem is the way to go yeah. and when species get they start pushing the boundaries of their ecosystem um, then disease they're more susceptible to disease because there's overcrowding or they push into areas uh, that they've never been before and come into contact with microbes viruses whatever that they've never seen before population crashes famine like so there's 
it's a balance. This whole thing is a balance. And so you yeah. don't have to look at it as necessarily as a, as a vi uh, virus host analogy. Ecology has already defined all of these things for us. And arguably, we are beyond, we, we have pushed beyond the, the balance of our ecosystem. Now, the question is, can we use technology to, to push what the bounds of our ecosystem are? And we've done that. <laughs> we've definitely done that with the way that we can boost farming and, you know, land use and things like this. So, but I mean, it's an age old question. And, and the, I think the, 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 the thing that people should understand or can understand is that um, there is, there is limits, you know, you can't go on doing this forever uh, without exhausting the resources. And we've biology has, we've known this for ages you know, that, that this is how ecosystems work. And we, because we have technology that's allowed us to push the boundaries of our ecosystem further than any other species, I think we get a little arrogant and we start to just in general, humans start yeah. to think that we're different uh, when in fact we are just animals. So we're, well, we're subject to the same laws. So, and a virus yeah, a pandemic exactly, yeah. shows us that, you know, that we are subject to these same exactly, exactly that we are not immune. Well, and, I, and we we touched on it earlier, and we you know we said we'll do this in the future. But exactly that, I think what this pandemic has shown is, for all the technology, for all the advances we've made, we effectively are a biological organism on a planet. We you know, and effectively, we're no different from any other species of animal on on the planet. And now we've got a virus that you know is attacking us, and because of the fact that we are overpopulated in places overcrowded we have you know areas of the world where there's poverty and there's not good health care or sanitation where this disease can spread and, and be rife I, I, I think it's really brought home to me that we are despite all the technology we are just biological organisms that maybe have pushed the boundaries a bit a bit too much you know mm -hmm. and and is this a way of you know it's 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 tragic of course but with all these viruses it's mother nature trying to control itself a, a little bit mm -hmm. but what do we do going forward to make sure that we manage that better you know let's not be burning up our resources let's manage what we do do we do we all need big fancy cars or the latest technology or whatever because that's burning up resource you know what can we what can we do differently Mm -hmm. When I think of it, a way question. to I blacked out a bit there. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I thought your your points were well taken. Um, I think the thing though that I would say is, when we talk about like the Earth pushing back, it's it's Mother Nature pushing back on us. That's a good way to say it to like help understand it. But I think what what another way to think about it that maybe provides a different, a, maybe a new perspective because we've kind of heard this Mother Nature pushing back a lot, but really it's we've done it to ourselves. You know, by by pushing the boundaries too much, you cause a reaction. So it's not like Mother Nature's, you know, it kind of gives it this view that it's like, oh, you've been bad. Now you're going to get this. You do this to yourself. The population does this to itself by breaking out of these boundaries that we've that we've, you know, should have been constrained in. So deforestation. Um, pushing into the jungles and, you know, deforesting the jungles and building homes and stuff in there and cities in there. That's what puts us into contact with these pathogens that we may never have seen before. 
you know? So it's like, it's less about like mother earth doing it to us as we've done it to ourselves. You know, there's a fence there right. or something, you know, like that says, don't cross this fence because there's landmines on the other side. And you're like, meh, screw it. I want, I, I can go over <laughs> there, you know, as you know, so I think it, that that's the way I think about it because it puts more of the onus on us, you know, rather than like, Oh, right. well, this is just something that happened to us. And yes, we're responsible because, you know, we've done this or that, but it's like, no, 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 we did this. And because we are the sentient beings that we are, and we, we should be able to understand the limits of our ecosystem. And because we have this incredible brain and knack for technology where we can push the boundaries of our ecosystem, I actually, you know, there is a way that we can all sustainably live on this planet within those bounds. And like you said, it would take some questions of what do we value? What do we not value? What kind of, you know, fuel are we going to use? Do we all need cars? Can we do more transportation, mass transportation? All of these questions. But the fact of the matter is, is that we understand very clearly where the boundaries are and what the boundaries are, and we can measure them and we can develop technology. So there should be a way that we can do this, but we just don't think about it in the way that we, you know, we've kind of had this period well, of growth. Well, where... that's the thing. Yeah. And as you said, we know we're doing it. We're sentient enough to know that we're... Mm -hmm driving that R value up, we're making things worse for ourselves, yet we continue to do it, yeah. you know, in some places unchecked. It's just, it's a little bit mm -hmm. crazy. And I wonder whether the world after, you know, and everyone keeps talking about the new normal, you know, once this, you know, we will come through this pandemic. Once we come through it, what does that new normal look like? Does it, do we take on board? Okay, well, we need to be more considerate towards people and, you know, resources and the environment and what we're doing to ourselves because we're pushing ourselves deeper and deeper into a hole that eventually one day we won't come out of mm -hmm. yeah uh you know whether it's a virus or whether it will be the the knock-on effects of climate change you know these are the big ones that that sort of have been in the in the in the mirror in the picture for a while that we're you know now dealing with one of them uh, but we could go on, you know, we could go on and on and on about this, but I think yeah. it was a great, it's, thank you for the question. Um, it was, it's a great thing to think about because it puts some of these things into perspective, right? It gives you this perspective that, you know, well, well yeah. what is our place on this planet? You know, wh what are we, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, if you want, I have one from, that's a go bit more it. science policy kind of thing. Um, Oof, okay. I'm sat comfortably. Yeah, so this is uh, from my father, actually. So thanks, Dad. Uh, and he wrote that uh, you know when when I when I started working in research in instrumentation, uh, there was always a de debate about doing fundamental science research or research for research's sake. Uh, the trend was going towards funding research with immediate applications, uh, and the question is, where do we stand on that argument today? Will it be impacted by the current pandemic, the COVID-19? And should this type of research be public or do private companies have a bigger role to play? So uh, do should the, the disease research be public or, you know, do private companies have a role to play? I think to the first part, doing research for research sake and, you know, or really applied research. We've talked about that on this podcast for sure, uh, where you have to have a blend of both. You know, you, you can't just do research for, I mean, you, you should do research for research sake, because that provides the, 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 the base level of knowledge that you can then take and apply somewhere else. 
and how many, you yeah. know, there's countless discoveries where somebody took something from some field um, and applied it to a totally you, what you would think unrelated field and was able to create some nice, you know, invention or something that um, had a direct application. So you need both. You, you absolutely need both. Um, research for research sake is, is probably un misunderstood, but it's what gives you the foundation to draw from. Like without it, you're going to be grasping at straws. You will run out of, there will, you, your, your application research will hit a wall where you're like, well, you know, we wanted to design this spaceship or something, but we have no idea about the parameters of space or friction or how these, you know, chemicals in our jet fuel interact together. So you need that fundamental understanding of the world, physics, our, yeah. you know, everything in order to then be like, well, how do we, you know, make this application? So you need both that for sure. How does it change in the time of COVID-19? Well, I think you're going to get a, a big push right now for, um, applications, vaccines, etc. Unfortunately, due to the politics that is politicking that is going on um, between China and the US, we see some fundamental research that is being canceled. The uh, research into bat coronaviruses has been yep. canceled uh, because, you know, there's this allegation that China let it out of the lab and stuff like this. And we were funding this lab. And so we got to, in order to save face and make it look like we'd had, you know, we're not going to fund this Chinese lab because it, it created all this thing, really significant research by a guy that's, you know, one of the experts in bat coronaviruses and is out there trying to find them so that we know to how to prevent these things and how to deal with these things has been defunded. So that's an unfortunate reality of this situation. I think it's unique to this situation because of the current political climate. Whereas before, maybe if this happened, you know, 10 years ago, um, you would have had everybody kind of coming together and saying, okay, look, at we need a priority. Our priorities have been off. Uh, we need a vaccine. So that's going to be the you know, the, the direct push for um, translatable or application-based research. Um, but again, without a fundamental understanding of viruses, biology, the immune system, all this stuff, you can't build that. So I think uh, that changes it. And then in terms of public and private, again, I mean, this is, sounds like a sitting on the fence answer, but you got to have both. I mean, I would think that in these kind of cases in public health, this is the exact role of public research, you know, like, yeah, there's no profit here. Healthcare, uh, the environment, uh, these kind of things, like there is no profit there and no one should expect to make a profit there. This is the profit is having a healthy people that don't die yeah. and, you know, an environment that we can live in that won't kill us. So that's the only profit that's available in these kind of things. Now, private companies, obviously they can do things that the public sector can't do as, as fast. So they have a role to play. But I think it's really unfortunate that at this point in our, you know, what we're seeing and the U.S. is there's a couple examples in the U.S. where they're kind of turned to, to private companies to do some of these things, whether it was drive through testing or testing in general or stuff like this. They kind of put it on private companies and then realize these companies were just, you know what, this doesn't really, you know, there's no benefit for us. So we're just not doing it or it didn't roll out as well. So 
private companies are limited and it's the same when we think of philanthropy, you know, it's great that Bill Gates is spending all of his money on malaria and vaccines and these, it's great, but do we want to rely on the whims of, of billionaires in order to be safe? Yeah. <clears throat> no, should be the answer. Yeah. It's, uh, and you, you mentioned about big corporations. I think that's what, what has been mind blowing. I think with this pandemic is the way that instantly companies, academia, you know, private family have come together to work together so quickly on something. And I, that has been fantastic to see. But then when you think about that with, you know, things like cancer, that obviously, you know, been around for years, there's lots and well, millions of researchers working on it. But are we really all pulling in the same direction? Because I, I think the, the pharmaceutical companies are pulling in one direction over they're trying to make money out of this, ultimately. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Whereas you've got symptoms. like some of the, the bigger, exactly. So yeah, alleviate the symptom. Don't necessarily get rid of the disease. Stay on the drug forever. You're going to, now that's maybe cynical. Um, conversely, you've got somebody in academia who's trying to understand how that cancer works so we can switch it off so we can reverse it. So you know, stop. not doing that potentially for, for pro- yeah, they're doing it for a, a better reason. Like, yeah, I think you're right. I think what we've seen with this pandemic is we need to do things for more of an altruistic view. And ultimately, you know, the pharmaceutical companies out there, you're going to make more money if more people survive because there's going to be more people available to buy your future products, whatever they are. Yeah. If that's yeah, the way yeah. you want to think of it, think of it that way. Um, but yeah, I think we, I think at times we need to, with science especially, we need to bring it back to if somebody doesn't fund these little, what seem like little projects at the time, or somebody's going to go and collect some samples from bats and see what that means. If, if that spirals out of control, we end up somewhere, you know, potentially where we are now because of that. Could that have been stopped if we'd have invested in that person's research project when they were an undergrad student or PhD student, which then led to a chain of research that would put us in a much better position than we are now? And I think, I think you're right when you say about should we be at the whims of the Gates Foundation or whatever. I agree. I don't think we should be, but I also think we need something out there because at the moment, I don't think the way governments fund science works from the science point of view and i also don't think it encourages scientists to stay within the scientific realm and continue their research and that that for me is upsetting when you see talented academics that could make such a huge contribution to the world and science and health and they they get pushed out of academia because they get fed up having to do grant applications and being out of a job every three years until the next pay packet comes in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is just unsustainable. We, you know, we should be seeing this as a long, long-term investment, not a short-term ride every three or four years of a grant cycle. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's exactly it. You know, like if you look at the the examples of pharmaceuticals and stuff like that, people, people like to point the finger at, Oh, it's big pharma. It's big pharma is, is, you know, is doing this and they're doing that, you know, and they don't really care about your health and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, again cynical but on some level true let's you know in some cases it's been proven to be true you know there's been malfeasance by companies you know with opioids and and stuff like this um but again i would say take a look in the mirror you know it's not mother nature doing it to us it's not big farm doing just we're shooting ourselves in the foot by not realizing that you know we need to invest in our health. We need to yeah. invest in our knowledge for the sake of protecting ourselves and understand, you know, 
and and doing this stuff like we need to view it as that you know this is like you said a long-term investment that there's not the, the profit isn't dollars the profit is your life the profit is the quality of your environment you know which impacts your life so to push it all to the to the pharma companies that 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 bothers me because again you're you're missing we're kind of missing the larger point and it's like if you don't want pharma you know these you know, you have a, a legitimate beef with pharmaceutical companies in the way they do it well then start doing some of this stuff in the public space and let's make it bet make the public space better at doing some of these things because yeah if you send it to businesses and and stuff then they're gonna make money that's that's the goal so there's a role for both but i mean in some of these big things and and like we both just said i hope that maybe that's a lesson that comes out of this i don't know if people will get that but i i would say that that's something that should be becoming more clear um so it's a good question i'm glad thank you for the question i'm glad it was it was brought up and you know maybe people are yeah. sick of you know us here talking about uh, basic research and stuff like that but the you're you, you alluded to the point and this could again be a whole nother episode that may be really boring a little too inside behind the curtain um for for most people but the way in which public research actually does work and is funded there's a lot of academics that say we need to rethink how we're doing that because it does your universities your hospitals and stuff do great work with your tax dollars but it's not even necessarily about providing more tax dollars, but changing the incentives of that system as well, because it's left unchecked. It starts to become this, well, what's the biggest bang for our buck? What's the, you know, how do we, because we have to justify it to these people, what we're spending their money on and the incentives get warped. Whereas if everybody kind of has an understanding that like, look at X number of our tax dollars is going to go to research. If you want to know what types, yes, we can talk about that and you can be informed on that. But an understanding that like, look, at, you might not see the return on this for your lifetime, but it's all going to make our lives better. So, yeah. Oof. Well, sir, uh, should we summarize where we've been? Because I know I've, you've got uh, people waiting in the next room and I know I've got other stuff and I think we've, we've talked well today and I think we've probably got some stuff that we can roll over into episode 51 even uh, yeah so should i yeah, do a quick summary of where we've been today i have uh, yeah um, no yeah do that do that you do that you sure you got something else you want to yeah. no 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 do it okay so briefly uh where, where have we been today so you know are we the virus are are we the parasites are we the ones uh destroying the place uh probably we are can we do something about it yes we probably can so um let's do that and if that change is made with changing the way that we fund science then i think that's a good little topic i think ultimately what i've taken from today's 50th uh, episode is though is uh, you and i flash are pretty awesome you know uh, also modest it says here as well um i've also put that it's obvious that we've had a lot of fun over these 50 episodes uh, and we'll mm -hmm. continue to have fun so don't worry listeners i'm not saying you know 50 and done we're going to keep going um but as we've touched on i think what what drives us to do this and what's very clear for me today is you and I are pretty awesome, but the listeners are the most awesome. You know, we've had some great questions, some great interactions. Some of the listeners have come on have been, you know, great guests as well. So um 
I have to give a heartfelt thanks to to the listeners that are out there to uh, to supporting us and keeping us going because otherwise it would just be you and me ranting in a quiet corner of the world somewhere. Which, to be fair, we would still do, but it does make it yeah, that well, much, yeah. <laughs> it does make it that much more uh, enjoyable for us and meaningful for us when we know that there are people listening. So yeah, I you know i yeah. agree thank you so much to everyone that's listened thank you to the people that put in the questions we had other questions that we didn't get to unfortunately so like i said sorry if we didn't get to yours we'll 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 save them for but we've got them for another episode yeah exactly yeah. and um a lot of the topics you know they kind of come they'll come up naturally i think as as we do this so thank you everybody for for sticking with us we're going to keep doing it um i'll leave with just one last one Brad, directed just at you. Okay. From my mother. Oh, yeah. When are you coming back to Canada <laughs> so that you can actually see the mountains this time? So, obviously, the pandemic is so the, well damper on that, but uh, it, it has. And yeah, just to clarify, when I when I visited Canada twice, it, it's it's been a little bit overcast. So, uh, Flash has told me we've been walking around mountains, and you can see them. I, I've yet to see them. Um, very good question, and I would I would hope very soon because um, every, every visit I've made I've really enjoyed. I've especially enjoyed enjoyed uh, the last visit and getting to meet your family, um, who are fantastic people. I love them dearly. Um, so yeah, I hope that I will be there soon enough. So if we can all stay inside, follow the advice, get this pandemic over, so that I can get to Canada sooner rather than later, I'd appreciate it from everyone. Uh, please and thank you. All right. Well, there you go, Mom. Set a plate. He'll be there. Please, yeah, please do. Um, as ever, you know, if you want to get in touch with the show, I think we've done this to death, but you, you can hit the show up directly on Twitter, at 2BradForYou. It's the same handle on Instagram. Brit Brad myself is at Bradley W. Hayes on Twitter. Flash, if they want to harass you. At BVampiridon. Uh, you can also go to the website. We have a contact form there, 2BradForYou.wordpress.com. I am making plans mm -hmm. to upgrade the website and maybe put it on mm -hmm. YouTube, stuff like this. So look for that kind of stuff in the future. Mm -hmm. we're, we're always looking to expand. We did 50. We have some listeners. We've proven that. So we'll we'll keep going. <laughs> um, and yeah, so keep an eye out for all of those exciting things and for the next episodes. Uh, Indeed. Thank you so much, listeners. We'll catch you next time. Brad, it's been a slice. It has. Thank you, Flash. Thank you, listeners. And uh, here's to another 50. Shot too, so smile. <laughs> I think. Oh yeah, got it. Good luck <laughs> with that. All right. Welcome, Brad friends. Wait, let me do that again. <laughs>